Whether you have a diagnosis or not, I don't care. I'll teach you how to find what's causing your health concerns using the labs you already have. Your doctor might tell you your blood work is normal, but I'm here to teach you a better way. If you're a doctor or a health coach and anything in between, there's one for you too. Go grab your free blood work and supplement sheet guide so you can learn how to read your labs yourself. Plus, come join me for the free three-day live what your normal labs really tell you challenge every fourth week of the month with the last one in May. Download your cheat guides and register here at drkylieburton.com. This podcast is sponsored by Systemic Formulas and Nutribiome. Systemic Formulas, the supplement company I trust with my patients and family. In fact, when I discovered Systemic Formulas, not only did my patients get faster results, but it made my life easier too. Instead of ordering from a handful of companies, I use 95% SF products. They're top of the line quality with the best lab west of the Mississippi. They're pure, potent, and they get results. In fact, I recommend you follow their Instagram at Systemic Formulas Institute. Jump inside their Facebook group and put my name into the search bar. You'll discover multiple videos of me teaching you labs, products, and even business tools. Everybody can join the Instagram, but practitioners, the Facebook group is just for you. Also, the man who's behind the Systemic Formulas products, Dr. Shane Morris, is launching a new line of supplements designed to take your microbiome to the next level. And it's not just probiotics. He has specific prebiotics designed to feed the probiotics. Oh, and anybody can order them too. Learn more and order soon at mybiome.com. M-Y-B-Y-O-M-E.com. And last but not least, are you a practitioner looking to improve your online presence, but it's overwhelming thinking about building a website, connecting it to a funnel, and then having it all actually make money? Let Tara help you take your dream and make it a reality. She's been the driving force behind my entire website and mastermind, my entire online business. Tara can help you build yours too. She's got brand new packages designed to help you grow your business and future-proof it. With over 20 years of experience in the online business consulting and website mastery world, she's your girl. Go check her out at TaraConsultingInc.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G-I-N-C.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. We have a special guest on today. Her name is Janessa Finley. She comes from us from the Midwest in the States, and she has a very incredible background to the point where she can mesh energy work and functional medicine all together. And it's pretty astounding the results that she's getting. So today we're going to talk about ADD. And I know her and I were just talking about this beforehand because this, what she's about to present to us is completely new to me. So I hope you learn about it as much as I learn and let's take notes. And if you have kids with ADD or if you're married to someone with ADD, or if you have ADD yourself, this is for you. So Janessa, welcome on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background before we jump in. 
I'm an energy psychologist and a functional medicine coach. And as you said, I like to meld the Western and Eastern worlds into one and bring people lasting relief and true healing rather than much like you, you know, dealing with symptoms and kind of feeling like you're chasing your tail or taking more pharmaceuticals to treat the side effects of the other stuff that you're taking. And it just leaves people hopeless. So bringing in a natural approach to as many ailments as possible so that people can have that deep lasting healing, because I do believe that the intelligence that created us heals us. No one told us that we needed to multiply into a multitude of cells when we were in embryo. No one told us how we had to make our way out of the uterus and into the world. And so let's engage that innate intelligence that we all have for healing capacity and feel well. I've never heard it explained like that, but you're so right. Nobody told you to multiply and replenish your cells and become a human being. Nobody told you that it was time to get out of the uterus, even though Sometimes they have to get kicked out, like mine have, <laughs> even though I was like dilated at a four for a month and she still wouldn't come out. My midwife finally called me. Are you ready to have a baby? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> so let's talk about your approach and how you found this happy middle ground amongst the Western and the Eastern. I owe that thanks to Dr. Judith Swack, who created an energy psychology modality called Healing from the Body Level Up. And Dr. Swack is a scientist by nature, and her slogan is actually where miracles and science meet. And so she did a ton of research looking at how we can repattern our brain and how that changes our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. Where miracles and science meet. Yep. That was brilliant. Did she trademark that? I don't know, but very, very likely, yes. I'm sure she did. Because that's a brilliant line to have on your website. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Where miracles and science meet. Let's talk about the miracle and the science of ADD. Well, let's first talk about what ADD is, just in case there's any listeners out there that haven't encountered it or really gotten into it in depth aside from knowing that there's attention difficulty. So what we see commonly that attention difficulty, the lack of sustained focus, and sometimes there's hyperactivity and impulsivity in the common symptoms of ADD. What happens based upon Dr. Daniel Amen's work of taking SPECT studies of the brain, they discovered that when Individuals who suffer from ADD try to focus, their brain activity actually plummets. And so the harder they try to focus, the less their brain is actually working. The prominence of ADD in the world we live in is huge and it's it's growing. There in 2007, studies showed that there were one in five high school age boys diagnosed. And 11% of school-aged children received an ADD diagnosis as well. And the number was rising at a rate of around 41% within that decade. I was going to say, I feel like ADD statistically, I mean, one, kids are kids. Let's let them be kids. And two, the number of people getting diagnosed with this is insane. It is insane. and. 
HBLU energy psychology, the ability to discover what truly is going on within someone's being without just a standardized assessment, looking at symptoms really gets into the heart of the matter to differentiate between a true diagnosis and a false diagnosis. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I feel like it is so important to also talk about untreated ADD because the health ramifications of when it goes unnoticed or untreated or both are pretty profound for people. It increases their risk of depression. There's a higher use of drug use in people who have untreated ADD. Obesity rates are also higher within this population. Smoking is higher. Type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's are all higher with people who have left ADD untreated. And just to look at why that might be really quickly, there is the genetic component. And when you are genetically created some way, that experience that you have in your body is all you've ever known. It doesn't kick in and start at a certain age and you know the difference of before and after. It's just always how it's been. So when you have parents who have always had this lack of focused behavior and then their kids show the same thing and they think that's how everyone potentially lives because that's the only normal they've ever known, it can be really easy to have it go untreated or unnoticed. There are the types of ADD that do have non-hyperactive components, and that also will lead to being not recognized based upon the inattentiveness or lack of focus alone. And these people often get labeled as unmotivated, willful, lazy, or those couch potatoes. And it is truly a miss, if you will, of of the parents or the health professionals that would have an opportunity to give assistance to these individuals. Now, I know you do a lot with personalities too. I'm just thinking, you know, type, what we call type A personalities are very motivated, very driven, very hard work go-getters. Whenever I take personality tests, I'm like across the border on all of them, which is probably why what I've been told is why I make a good host is because I can get along with a lot of people. But if you're looking into the personalities of ADD individuals, what does that look like? We use the Enneagram personality typing system specifically. So I look through the Enneagram lens and you are head on. It's one of the biggest components that causes a, if you want to call it false diagnosis or a misdiagnosis in individuals. Within the Enneagram system, there's nine major personality types and the type seven is the most commonly misdiagnosed personality type because they are outside the box thinkers. So their thoughts bounce from topic to topic to topic innately. They also appear to be more scattered because of that. And they also are avoidant of pain. And so they seek pleasurable experiences, which can show up in some of that impulsive behavior as well. And just as you have pointed out, is it truly an organic issue in the brain or is it your personality? Yeah. And as a mom with kids, I mean, my 18-month-old is finally starting to show her personality, but the four-year-old is, has developed one. And even watching, you know, cousins, I have nieces and nephews so near me close. And, and as parents, we all understand that 
raising our kids is different for each kid because of these personalities. So how do we determine is it personality trait or is it actually brain dysfunction? My method of doing so based upon how I've been trained is using muscle testing. And so muscle testing allows us to bypass the conscious mind and really find out what's going on within the subconscious and the other parts of our being. And for people who aren't familiar with muscle testing, I describe it as tapping into that innate intelligence within us that we talked about a little bit already. And when we ask a question, it has to be yes or no. It's a binary system. And when something is not true to our being, our nervous system sends a signal to our muscle and our muscle goes weak. And when it is true to our entire being, then that message to the muscle is to stay strong and the muscle stays strong. And so you get a very physical read from the body versus the dialogue and talking like we're doing now. And that allows us to really find out what's going on. Is there ADD? Does it have genetic components or maybe it's a coping mechanism from trauma? Is it something that we can address naturally or are we truly working with that brain lack of functioning? And that allows us also to discover what type or types of ADD someone is also dealing with. Additionally, then we move forward into pairing which type with which supplements is going to work for that specific person. So much like you say, there's no throwing darts at a dartboard. Same thing with this approach. Every person's different and the amount of one supplement they may need could be different than the next person I work with. And so there's no one coverall approach with even the supplements of strength or how many times a day that they are taking those supplements to support their brain. Yeah. Besides muscle testing, how do we diagnose? We're just going to our doctors and they say, oh, well, you probably have ADD and they give you a pharmaceutical. I mean, that's common. Is it the right thing to do? That is common. I think also common would be um, going through psychologists or psychiatrists um, with that route if people are struggling uh, with behaviors or emotions. So there are different approaches and there's a lot of people who do come to me and they are on pharmaceuticals and they're really happy with where they're at with their stimulants. And so we work on the other components of what's showing up where they're having struggles in their relationships um, and other presenting factors. So each person's different. And that's what I really like to honor uh, with each individual, much like you say, you don't care about the diagnosis. I don't really care how people come to identify what their body needs, as long as they're giving their body what's working for their body to be able to have that fully functioning brain. I like that. Just because you're taking a pharmaceutical doesn't make it bad. If it works for you, great. Keep using it. But there are other alternatives. When you talk about seven types of ADD and, and specific muscle testing and how to determine if you have ADD, if it's actually truly a brain dysfunction, basically. Is there a test like brain mapping? I've only heard of it. I don't really know much about it. That is not what we use. We do just use the muscle testing and asking very, very targeted specific questions. One of the true keys with muscle testing is you're going to get as accurate of an answer as the question that you're asking. So we have very targeted, specific scientific questions that we're asking to get into that um, identification of what's going on within someone and how we're going to approach supporting that individual to make sure that they are 
balanced and supported in that. All right, let's jump into these seven types. All right. So type one's classic. We have covered the bases really with that, with the inattentiveness, being easily distracted, disorganized. You'll see the hyperactivity in these individuals. They can also have restlessness issues and the impulsivity. So it's pretty stereotypical ADD if there is such a thing. Our type two is going to be our inattentive ADD. And as we go through these, you're going to see that a lot of the symptoms that show up with these do overlap, but there's some nuances and differences with them throughout. So with type two, we're seeing that the sufferers are still inattentive. They're also easily distracted and disorganized. And these are frequently described as our space cadets, daydreamers, and couch potatoes. I know one of these inattentive ones, and he is very, very, very successful. So just because you might have these, he's he's learned how to channel it to make him successful. Yeah, for sure. I don't feel like any uh, diagnosis, if you want to call that, which I don't love that word because it's truly just a label, but I feel like there is no diagnosis that's truly inhibiting of our potential. We can still reach our potential regardless of whatever is going on within us. Hence the name of the podcast, Beyond the Diagnosis. Type three. Type three is our overfocused ADD. Now, who would think there's an overfocused ADD? But it does present as lack of focus because if you think about kids in a classroom and they should be focusing on the teacher or whatever topics being presented. But our overfocused ADD folks overfocus on something, uh, you know, obsessively to some extent where they can't get their mind off of it. So they might not be able to focus on what they need to be focusing on because they're so hyper focused on something else that it still shows up as what seems like a lack of focus because people don't know what's going on inside their head and that they're hyper focused on something else that's not within their external environment, if you will. This type also gets frequently stuck in loops of negative thoughts and behaviors. So they can be argumentative and critical, find fault quite frequently. And conversely to most ADD types, the type three will usually be very organized. So these may be the kids who have super clean rooms and like everything in a certain spot, but then can't focus on what they need to be focusing on. So our type four is temporal lobe ADD. So again, we're back to the types that suffer inattentiveness, that are easily distracted, they're disorganized. Type fours also struggle with mood instability, irritability, and also memory problems. So this type is most frequently associated with learning problems. As we're going through these types, it's important to know the type because then you're getting the right treatment, right? It is. Yeah. And they can see it showing up in their life too. And instead of thinking, this is always the way I've been, it kind of puts pieces of puzzles together for people to really truly begin to understand themselves as well. The more information that they have, I feel like just the more compassion they have for themselves too, instead of being irritated because I've never been able to focus or other things that have been a strain and struggle for them. And also, um, we'll get into eating a little bit later, 
along with the supplementation that we use to pair along with all of the types, then eating for your specific type can be targeted as well. So type five is limbic ADD. And these also suffer from that inattentiveness, being easily distracted and disorganized. Type five will struggle with a low-grade sadness or negativity. They tend to be the glass half-empty type of perspective and have lower energy and more social withdrawal. So they might make it misdiagnosed as depression. Potentially. Type six is our ring of fire ADD. Again, we have the inattentiveness being extremely distracted because they have too many thoughts going on. They can be irritable, overly sensitive to their environment. So they may have auditory sensitivity or other sensitivity to what's going on around them. They can demonstrate hyperverbal tendencies and be oppositional and experience moodiness. And then our last type is type seven and anxious ADD. So we still have the inattentiveness, being easily distracted, disorganized, but then we're going to see a lot more anxiousness in them, social anxiety. They could be tense, nervous, always predicting the worst case scenario, struggle with some of those. (laughs) Yeah, I know some of those outside of ADD too, but (laughs) that also plays into the personality structure. Type seven will struggle with time tests as well. And they often have the physical stress symptoms in their head. So seeing headaches showing up or gastrointestinal symptoms of the tension manifesting into the physical level of their being. But these people have like test anxiety. Like if you're going in for school and they're taking a test, test anxiety. They they could. I believe it is, we just talked about it and it's gone already. Anxious, ring of fire. Yeah, it's type seven. So type seven, that's what we're... Yes, so even if they're doing a time test, like college entrance exams, anything like that could have really high uh, test anxiety or if the amount of time for that subject in school isn't enough time for them to complete a test that could also increase the test anxiety for sure. It's crazy how our school system just sets these people up to literally fail. And I don't consider myself ADD, but I will say that in medical school, I would get so anxious during a performance test. So we'd have our hand, we'd have our written test where you get the scantrons, right? And quizzes were their short answers. But when we actually had to go in and we had to perform something, like our part four boards, it was literally two and a half hours of performing, going from room to room to room. And I'm five months pregnant, just trying to keep my food in my stomach, still having to show my knowledge and show my expertise in a five minute period in each side, in each room. And I'll tell you, I bombed some of these things. I would, we'd go in with my classmates. Usually you were paired because you had to perform something on the other person. And we, I remember multiple times I would come out with a classmate and they would be like, like, what the heck happened in there to you? Like, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> I lose it during these performance in the moment. Somebody's watching me type test. I passed. 
thankfully. <laughs> but I prefer a paper exam much more than an in-person exam. Yeah. And this is where I feel like muscle testing and having a really targeted approach helps people so much because they're not guessing, oh, I do have some lack of focus. I don't perform well under tests, you know, picking out a couple of the symptoms. Well, is this really truly my brain not fully firing the way it should? Or is it just simply anxiety or pressure or other maybe limiting beliefs that we picked up along the way as kids or other programming that causes us to lock up or freeze or whatever a person's experiencing specifically. Yeah. There's so many components, like you said, limiting beliefs, childhood experiences, just simple pressure. I mean, taking 22 exams a week was not uncommon for us. It was a lot of pressure all the time. And we would do 11 weeks on, and then we have a two week period. And during those two weeks, you'd, you'd basically sleep the entire time. Or you'd run away and do nothing but sleep because you could actually do something else besides school for the time being. But all right, seven different types. To recap, type one, classic. Type two, inattentive. Type three, over-focused. Type four, temporal lobe. Type five, limbic. Type six, ring of fire. And type seven, anxious ADD. Now what? What do we do? Well, let's also talk about the ripple effect this has across families, across families, (laughs) across society, across communities. These individuals, 33% of people with ADD never finished high school. Just think about that a third. So you're talking about, you may mention, it feels like we're set up to fail these children. I feel like I was raised in a generation where the tone of things were, what is wrong with them versus, huh, that doesn't seem quite normal. What's going on? Let's be curious about that. Let's find out. So instead of the shaming and the disciplinary, there's no discipline that's going to make someone's brain fire and focus when the brain is shutting down, when people try to focus. So if you're seeing these things in your kids, seek some help, ask some questions. And when the disciplinary approach doesn't work, please get curious, support your child because the symptoms are an expression and they're not going to go away no matter what kind of behavioral actions we're taking. Uh, Additionally, talking stats, 52% of ADD individuals will abuse drugs or alcohol, which is really just a means to try to self-medicate. If we're being honest, they want relief from what's going on inside of them. 75% have interpersonal problems. And parents of ADD children, their divorce rates are three times more often. And as I mentioned already, the parents, the parents' divorce rate is three times more when they have a child that has ADD. And as I mentioned earlier, the genetic component, I feel like it's so important to mention again because likely if a child has ADD, one of the parents does as well. So not only do they see the dynamics within the family of that child splitting the parents and trying to leverage and and the behavioral issues that come into play with the ADD expression as well, but then you likely have one of the parents who are also dealing with the same disorder in their brain. Yeah. So what to do? That was your other question. I would love to work with people and I would be happy to muscle test and figure out the different supplement concoction, if you will, because it typically takes more than one. 
to get the brain supported the way it needs. And we do that muscle testing. I also encourage people and I'd be happy to share. Also, I have 10 tips for healthy brain eating because there is a way to eat to support your brain and the symptoms that people are experiencing. Additionally, exercising people who suffer from ADD, getting the exercise that helps support serotonin and endorphins and release energy is incredibly valuable. I know it's valuable to all the people, even the healthy brain eating is valuable to all the people, but those with the ADD have additional benefits from that as well. Give us us five tips for healthy eating. Five. Okay. I'm trying to think of the ones that you might not talk about quite as much within your other podcast episodes. Uh, H water, H2O, drink the water. And I know you talk yes. about that, but our brain is 80% water. So drink the water, caffeine, alcohol, anything. And let's, that- hold, let's hold on with that water. Not just any water. Water is toxic. Do, you got, yeah, you have to get filtered water, quality water. Yeah. Yeah. Our brain is 80% water. So when we're dehydrating it, our brain function naturally goes down and that's going to decrease our thinking and impair judgment as well. So get the quality water, not tap water. What's in your tap water is scary. Get it tested and you'll never want to drink it again. <laughs> Standard across the country. In fact, we, we came across some research um, while I was, I'm actually doing a podcast on water. Um, 118 out of 100 out of 120 water samples tested all across the United States had and let's see there's like there's a limit for arsenic that the CDC says which as we all know the CDC could care less about what keeping us healthy so ultimately if it's above this limit it's very very high 118 out of 120 had over the limit of arsenic values According to the CDC, 99% of our water across the country is full of heavy metal arsenic, not to mention other things. So when it comes to quality water and filtering, what are your recommendations? Because I just want to know what other people do on this topic. Honestly, there are so many things out there I still need to research. My current (laughs) recommendation is reverse osmosis. And I feel as though when you're doing that, there is best to supplement with cell salts or minerals to get back in some of what's being eliminated from that reverse osmosis process. Additionally to drinking though, I do have to mention that our skin absorbs whatever we put on it within a matter of like 20 or 30 seconds, something crazy. So the bathing that we are doing, we're absorbing more toxins out of that water than what we can adjust ingest. So do what you can. You may not be able to get a filter on your shower or a whole house filter. So filter your tap water, start there, but continue to research and do your homework and aid your body and your systems in ways you can. And and be aware that your skin is sucking up those toxins even when you shower. Yeah, I'm pulling up this picture real fast. With the research I've done about water and water sources and filtration systems, because trust me, you know, you guys type in water filtration systems in Google and you're going to come up with thousands of hits. What is the greenfieldwater.com as well as purewater.com? They have filtration things you can just stick on the counter. 
and just filter your drinking water. I know a couple of practitioners who have their entire house filtered their grain filled water system going through the house. But yeah, like Janessa said, just start somewhere. Start with the water that you're drinking, if that's the easiest place for you to start. Okay, water. Make sure it's quality. There you go. Tip number yeah. two. Well, let's keep them pretty simple. High quality protein. It's going to balance your blood sugar. You talk about that all the time. Improve your focus. Provide the building blocks for the brain's health. We're looking at fish, poultry, beans, raw nuts, broccoli, spinach, catabo uh, shake for those systemic formula fans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we want complex carbs. So ideally we want a high protein, high, healthy fat and low carb, healthy carb diet. So we're looking at the more complex carbs that aren't going to spike the insulin and that won't break down into sugar. Cause for those that don't know, or don't remember, or maybe never had the experience of chewing a saltine cracker for so long in your mouth. I think I had to do this in fifth grade that it turned into something sweet. It went from this salty cracker into sweetness because it had broken down far enough for that sugar conversion to start. So if you keep a cracker in your mouth for enough minutes, you can probably experience it for yourself. When you're eating those white flour products, you are in processed products they're just turning into sugar in your body as they break down. So we want those complex carbohydrates instead. As I mentioned, this is all about balancing out blood sugar. It's really ultimately what it's about. The good proteins, the good fats, the good carbs, balance out the blood sugar. And those healthy fats, once you take the water out of the brain, our brain is then comprised of 60% fat. I think that in itself demonstrates how much our brains need fat. Did I get number five or did you already say it? Let's touch on two more things. So herbs and spices, those are an easy way for people to incorporate support in their meals and dishes that they're cooking. There are specific herbs and spices that can support the brain and body function. Some of them include turmeric, saffron, rosemary, thyme, sage, cinnamon, garlic, oregano, ginger, cayenne, and black pepper. That's an extensive list. And I would say, I mean, I'm no chef by any means. If I could hire a chef full-time to cook everything for me, I totally would. Because <laughs> you watch the, the show on HGTV, you don't have time to watch TV. But on occasion, I watch TV. And there's the diners, drive-ins, and dives. It's always on late at night while I'm sitting there doing work on the couch or whatever. and don't ever watch it late at night because everything we cook looks so good. So if I could hire a chef for myself and for everybody else, I would. But out of those herbs and spices you just named, I would say I use probably half of them regularly. So they're common spices. It's not like you have to go get something special. Correct. However, I don't know that they're common within the standard American diet. So we have to be making our own food or not buying things that are already boxed and processed to be adding it in. So just being mindful, maybe you're sprinkling a couple of them on your eggs or stirring them into some vegetables. A lot of them, even just adding a little bit won't create a strong flavor or a flavor that's going to be repulsive. So they are super easy to mix into our daily. I think as long as you're, you're, you tend to cook more of your dinners for your family than you buy out. I think people got, are getting those. Yeah. And eating out rosemary is one of my favorite things to use. Throw it in some soups, throw it on, you know, sweet potatoes, 
a good one. Yeah. And when you eat out, if you want to eat out in a targeted way, more of the Mediterranean or Indian foods are going to use those spices too. So you can always eat out in a way that supports what your body needs to. Okay. There are some tips for healthy brain eating. As we've concluded here, any additional pieces you'd like to leave us with? Repair the gut. Always repair the gut. So much of the brain gut connection, like we can't not at least just mention it. If you're encouraged to do those elimination diets, go deeper, heal what's creating the issue of not being able to tolerate those foods, because if it's affecting your gut, it's affecting your brain. Like you got leaky brain, they say. They do say. Um, I always like to leave with a cool patient story. It's Mm. a good success story you got. I love a story that I share about an experience I had with a mom and a child. A mom brought her child for an appointment. How old? Um, Approximately 17. With some disabilities. So they didn't quite function at a 17-year-old age, but... Nonetheless, when they showed up, the the drive over wasn't the smoothest and the child was very triggered and the mom was in high, a state of high emotions and the child moved back and forth in the room from wall to wall, just moving, didn't want to sit, was vocal, just wanted attention. And we quickly discerned that the priority within that family structure and the energy that was going on was going to be working with mom and not the child, even though that wasn't necessarily the intention. And as we worked with mom within a matter of minutes, I'm, I'm talking like maybe five minutes of working with mom's energy and emotions, the child sat. And then within probably about 10 more minutes, the child without ever being behavioral cues were never given. We did not ask them to do anything. We just worked the energy and the emotions. The child fell asleep for the remainder of the session. I find this story so profound because we are living in the society where we feel like we need to change someone else's behavior. The other person in our relationship or our family needs to modify what it is that they're doing. And all of the keys lie within ourselves. How we carry ourselves, the energy that we exude, it creates and elicits a response from everyone we come into contact with. So the key and the true empowerment of our being is to focus on self and truly, you know, moms, that the the more centered you are, your children are going to respond to you much differently. Goes for dads. Don't let me forget dads, but... They pick it up so easy. Mm-hmm. I know my husband really struggled with our first and he had a very difficult time at night. And so whenever he woke up, which was often, dad would be so upset. And finally, I'm just like, don't even come in here. It makes my night worse. A lot better with the next one, but they pick the energy up so quickly. And when we actually turn and look in the mirror and say, how can what can I do to fix me to better my relationships around me? That's the golden ticket. Really is the golden ticket. Okay, Janessa, that's a cool story. I also know you are heading into the world of helping relationships, marriage relationships from boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're married, partners, whatever. So go check out her website, fiercelyradiantsoul.com, and uh, you'll have multiple options on how to get started. 
So that's Janessa Finley. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Feel empowered? Loved this episode? Help others find it by leaving a review. It's the best compliment I can receive. Then take your learning one step farther and discover what your normal labs really tell you by downloading the free cheat guide and register for the next three-day live challenge. Do it all at drkylieburton.com. Remember, there's a cheat guide and a three-day live challenge for those of you with medical background too. Take your practice beyond the diagnosis with your free downloads and challenge at drkylieburton.com. This podcast is sponsored by Systemic Formulas, Nutribiome, and Terra Consulting, Inc. Systemic Formulas is the supplement company I trust with my patients and family. Everybody can join them on Instagram at Systemic Formulas Institute. Practitioners jump inside their Facebook group. It's called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. Once inside the group, search my name and you'll discover videos on labs, supplements, and business tools. It's all free. See you on the inside. Are you a practitioner ready to up-level your online presence? Tara is your girl. She is a brilliant mind behind my entire platform, my practice, and the BTD Mastermind. From writing the copy to building the technical back end of my website to marketing strategy, I highly recommend you let her take your dream and make it a reality, just as she did for me. Get started here at Tara Consulting Inc. Dot com. That's T-E-R-R-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G-I-N-C dot com. Be back next week.